G'day guys. Now before we dive into today's show, I have a huge announcement to make. Now as you all know, I've been working on my brand new book called Investing in the US, The Ultimate Guide to US Real Estate. And I am super pumped to announce that it is now live on my website. It is live on Amazon. So please jump over to readgoosens.com forward slash books and grab a copy today. All proceeds from the sale of this book goes to charity. So remember to jump over to read goosens.com forward slash books and get your hands on one today. Now back into the show. So multitasking is a regular way people live today. All right. Every single piece of research read, every single one says one thing, reduces performance, reduces quality, reduces every aspect of good work. But it does one thing that tricks us. It releases dopamine. The, the feel-good neurotransmitter that makes us feel like we're doing more. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S. podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the U.S., how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow, and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. of speaking with Steve Griffith. For over 25 years, Steve's expertise has led him to be a trusted advisor and coach to hundreds of successful CEOs, entrepreneurs, executives, professional and Olympic athletes, entertainment professionals, and organizations to perform at their optimal level. In his upcoming book, Time Cleanse, Stephen will share his powerful tips to help each of us bridge the gap between our potential and what is holding us back, empowering us towards our highest performance. I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show, but enough out of me, let's get him out here. G'day, Stephen. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? Hey, Reed. Thanks for having me on, buddy. I'm doing good. Mate, so... A little bit of an in the green room, we're talking uh, about your, your incredible experience, but I want to ask you, and I ask all my uh, guests this question when they first come on the show, let's rewind the clock and uh, tell us how you made your first ever dollar as a kid. Oh, this is a kind of a funny story. So at 12, see, I was a tall, skinny kid and I looked a little bit older. So at 12, 
I got a job at Rosati's Pizza in Chicago. I grew up in Chicago. And so I'd walk about a mile. Um, you know, uh, parenting was a little looser back then. My mom raised me and I uh, walked about a mile, worked till one or two o'clock in the, in the morning, got my pizza and my Coke and my buck 65 an hour. I got paid in cash every night. And it was great to be 12 years old and rolling with some money. That's awesome. 12 year old hustler, man. Like, I think that really helps get uh, a perspective of who you are as a person, because I know a lot of people that I interview on this show, including myself, you're blue collar, you know, not a lot of money coming from, you've got to make it happen when you, from a little kid, right? And that sort of gives yep. you the, 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 the drive, the, the fire within you to go and make it happen. So walk us through your background and how you've got to this point today in your life where sure, you've been so successful. Sure. Yeah. So my, my background is a little interesting. So I grew up, as I said, my mom raised me uh, and my brother by herself in Chicago and, you know, kind of lower income, um, just scrapped our way through, but sports was my thing and uh, football and boxing in particular. And uh, so I uh, went to high school, didn't get a scholarship. I was, like I said, as a tall skinny kid, went to junior college, ended up getting a scholarship to a division one school, had some injuries, also was an amateur boxer then. I fought in the Golden Gloves. Uh, Chicago ended up being a, a state champion and um, my athletic career ended with a repeated hamstring injury. I tore my ham hamstring three times in college and three different years. And, um, you know, I just, that was my goal. So when I got out of school, I ended up opening one of the first training facilities in the country in Los Angeles for elite and, and Olympic athletes. So I became a strength coach. I went to graduate school, became a strength coach, started working with elite athletes, the Lakers, Dodgers, many high-profile athletes, and while I was doing that, read, something hit me one day. In the peak of my success, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And what I, what, I, what I mean by that is I wanted to expand my reach in helping people. I was helping people in the physical world. I was studying NLP and performance psychology and applying it to my athletes, but I said, you know, I got I to gotta get out into a bigger world. So in 2000, I was one of the first coaches out there working professionally and making a living as a performance coach for businesses and individuals. And I started my high performance coaching business from that, um, you know, wrote a few books, started working with, you know, all types of people, men and women, organizations and teams. And then about five years ago with my clients, I saw the same roadblock they were all having. And it was the same words. I don't have enough time. And it was one week. I mean, corporate engagements, teams, individuals, one week. And I'm like, man, kind of feeling that same way myself. So as I saw the suffering that was going on, I was like, man, everyone's stressed out, maxed out. I just made a commitment. I said, I want to solve this. How do we get more time back? And how do we perform with the time? You'll hear me talk about performing versus managing. So I spent five years really traveling. I mean, I spent time in Thailand and Japan working with Buddhist monks and learning their philosophies, neuroscientists, the world of NLP, um, I've been training uh, in mindfulness and meditation for a long time. And after that five years, I came to one conclusion. And the conclusion is this. It wasn't people's fault that they were underperforming and they didn't have time. It was the strategies they were using that were outdated. And we had this massive shift of technology, but everyone keeps trying to use old time management techniques. It doesn't work today. Like that stuff at one point was awesome. It was awesome when our phone was attached to the wall by a cord. That's when it worked. And that's what I realized. So I created a, a series of steps to identify, first of all, the toxins that are in our life, 
and, and the strategies that we can now use to perform in what I call in a way, it's called timefulness. And that's being present in the moment, improving the quality, experience, and performance with your time. And so I realized with these people, because of the strategies, all these toxins started showing up in forms of behaviors, mental thoughts, habits that we could eliminate. And that's really what the time cleanse is about, is taking an interview of your life and looking at what I call um, my time cleanse question, is this contributing or contaminating to my happiness and success? And we look at everything in our life. A lot of people are calling me the Marie Kondo of time because she has this spark joy. I have this, this contribute or contaminate. So uh, an interesting, uh, good company to be in. Right, right. Well, mate, what you just said, so you, you were a business coach, but then back in 2000s, and then you created, you, you, you noticed all these trends and it took you, it sounded like 10 years to then realize about all this time management piece. So with well, the bit- Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was it literally- it was about five years ago when it started. I saw like what was happening and I'm, and I'm in, you know, I was really looking at mindfulness is a big part of my coaching and there's an effect on how we alter time by being present, but it literally was one week and every client said the same thing. And I was like, what? And, I'm, and I felt like I'm feeling this too. <laughs> no, and, that's, and that's right. So talk to me how you made that transition and niching into a business that was professional coaching to then having well, to, back, you know, to- back, you know, yeah, back 50, you know, when I, in 2000, when I made the initial shift, it, um, no one was a coach. I still, you know, I'm a bigger guy, um, six, five, two forty, And so when they see my business card, they would say coach, it said, you know, perf- you know, personal and, and business performance coaching. And everyone would say like, you know, so where do you do personal training at? Where are you? I'm like, it's <laughs> not what I do. <laughs> Um, because no, in 2000, not a lot of people were making a living being a coach. Now, if you go to any Starbucks, there's a coach there. That's not bad, but that's just how it is. You know, like actors are everywhere here now in LA. Um, but really, um, it was it was a natural a natural shift. You know, one of my early case studies was with a longtime client in the real estate industry. He's a high end guy here. He's actually in Brentwood. His name's Charles Pence. He's in my book, uh, The Time Cleanse, and he found himself read way behind in the third quarter. Now this is a 25 year plus West side realtor, very successful, but he had some health issues. And in this process, five years ago, I looked at him, I go, you know what? We got to compress time. And he goes, what do you mean? I go, we got to compress your sales. And so this was while I was developing the time cleanse. And one of the things that I developed was, and this is from my, some of my NLP background, is shifting the belief system on how long a sale takes. And this is what I started them on. So I said, hey, what's the, what's the number you got to do? And I believe back then it was, you know, it was my best year would be 100 million in sales, you know. And I said, could you do that in 10 months? He said, I could. I go, could you do it in eight? I got him all the way down to eight weeks. Now, he kept trying to say, well, you know, how? I said, let's not look at how you're going to do it. Could you? Because we've got to shift the mindset. We all have a belief system about how long a sale or transaction takes place, and it's usually wrong. Right. So talk to a little bit about that mindset, because and maybe start with what people tell themselves all the time, right? You just talk about stories that we tell ourselves it takes eight months or a year to get these sales. What do you see as the biggest hurdle that we all have as entrepreneurs when it comes to managing our time, whether you're being a business coach or a real estate investor or a realtor, what are you, what are the commonalities that you're seeing with people besides that story that sure. they tell themselves? 
Sure. Well, I'm going to start right off with in my work, and, and, and this is going to, this will be a game changer, what I'm about to tell you. We've got to completely stop even thinking about managing time. Wow. Okay. It's not possible. Okay. My, my whole system is about performing with time, and I'm going, to, I'm going to make the distinction right now. So the philosophy of time management is this. There is an hour. It's fixed. We got to get as much done as we can in that hour. Okay. Let me tell you what happens with that mindset. It creates pressure. And it has nothing to do with the relationship you have with time. And it also, the presupposition to that is that it's scarce. We've got this hour. We got to get everything done. There's a lot of pressure. Now, let's switch the position here. I'm, I'm inviting, and my system is based on performing with time. And the big difference is here is that you identify that time comes from you. Time management, it's something outside that you got to work against. It inherently shows up that way. So a lot of people walk around saying stuff like this. If time allows, if my schedule allows, right? Here's my question when I first questioned myself about that. Who's time? If we're saying if time allows, we're talking about it as an outside entity that we got to get permission from. It's not the case. We forgot. It's us. We are time. We've always been time. So when we, sh we shift in that juxtaposition of shifting going, wait a second, time comes from me. And when we do this, and this is the big deal, Reed, we stop becoming a victim of time. We, we get it. We start getting. So this little shift, it looks like a little shift. It is not. It changes everything. So when we shift the time performance, we focus on how we use time, the quality and the experience of it, and that we can expand it by being present. That's one tool. Just by being present, we can 2x, 3x our performance. But it changes the time pressure. See, when we perform with time, it's from us and we can expand it. Time pressure goes away. One piece of research that I put in the book was uh, two groups of math college students. And um, both uh, same level of expertise, both had the same amount of time to do a math test. One group was told, you don't have enough time. That's all they did. They just walked in and go, we're going to give you this test. Um, you're probably not going to have enough time, but do your best. The other group, they just gave the test to. The group at the same level of skill scored 20% less by just because now they created perceived time pressure. And it changed their performance. And so this is a core of the time cleanse is getting people to get reconnected to their in charge of their time, but also really be to connected to what's important. You can't have it all, but you can have what's most important to you. So you, you said one thing before, which I thought was really interesting and something that I've worked on personally. It's, it's you know, as entrepreneurs, because like, being a solo entrepreneur, you have a lot of chatter in your head. Someone-so is doing this. I've got to think about what's happening next week. When am I having that meeting? Blah, 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 blah. This sort of forward thinking. You talk about being present. How much or how valuable is that in your system to helping us achieve more with the time we have? Um, it's everything. I mean, you know, when it comes down to it, so let's look at multitasking for a moment. So multitasking is a regular way people live today, all right? Every single piece of research read, every single one says one thing, reduces performance, reduces quality, reduces every aspect of good work. But it does one thing that tricks us. It releases dopamine. 
the, the feel-good neurotransmitter that makes us feel like we're doing more, okay? So we just start there. Now, in the book, I actually talk about how to mindful multitask, but in the concept of being just present, using this concept of timefulness, is that when we're present, we have higher cognitive function, more creativity, we can handle stress more effectively, we've got more flexibility in our language, everything across the board goes up. The more we can do that in our workday, the more we're doing that when we're making real estate decisions, life decisions, we're, we're coming with a full deck. Most people are, are walking around with you know, half the deck of cards missing. So it's very important, and as we practice that, see, here's the thing. As a seasoned investor, as an expert investor like you are, this is what I can tell you. If you're tired, if you haven't slept, and you're texting and multitasking and doing a deal, we know what the outcome is, right? We just, I mean, we, we just know that, but we have micro versions of that happening. And I have this saying, the more present you are, the higher you perform. I'll say it again. And so practicing, see what people think is, oh, I'm just texting and emailing here and it's no big deal. Here's the problem. It's training your brain not to be present when it matters most. But people think, oh, I can just turn it on. Well, you know, you'd be going against all neuroscience to think that. I'm not saying we can't get focused, but when we're multitasking all day, our default mode is to be distracted. And then, and I guess then yearn distraction, right, in the future, because that's what yes. you're accustomed to. You know, I, I'm, a, you know I'm, I'm an addict of it, and you know, pull up your phone, Oh, what's on Facebook? What's on Instagram? And this sort of whole social media thing that ca causes us to be distracted and not present. So, so how do you train and what advice do you give to people out there? You know, me included, I'm putting my hand up, you know, a lot of people listening to this show saying, hey, I'm distracted. I don't have, I've got poor time management skills and I'm also, you know, uh, you know a, a, a sufferer of, of social media and trying to be always constantly be entertained. I can't just sit with my own thoughts for right. 30 seconds. <laughs> What's so, so, so first of the first point that you just said, I'll, I'll address is yep. that you're right. The more stimulation, the more we train our brain for novelty. And this is a problem with kids today. We're training our kids for novelty. That's why the anxiety and stress level of kids are higher than ever before. The, um, the suicide rate for young girls is higher than ever before because we're creating anxious brains for kids. Now, as an adult, here's the thing. I'm going to give you one of my number one tips. It's in the book. This has been a game changer. I can't wait any longer, Reed. I can't <laughs> wait. Here's the deal. It's, I'm going to show you how to time cleanse your phone right now. It's really simple. I'm going to give you three of about the 10 tips. Number one, the first thing you do is you turn your phone from color to grayscale. Now, the reason I'm starting with the phone, it's the biggest um, culprit of stealing our time. I, I quote one piece of research that they monitor people, a group of a thing of 100 or more for a week. And they found after a week that they touched, clicked, looked, and felt their phone over 2,600 times in a day. And when they reported that back, there were people were like, no, I didn't. And they just showed them the data. <laughs> because they, they're all wired up, right? So number one, we grayscale the phone. So we make it less charming. Number two, we turn all the notifications off. Now I can hear your listeners right now going, what? I can't do that. I'm not saying you got to remove it, but just don't have the ring, the ding, the flash, even the number. My phone has none of that. And the second thing is we move all the apps, 
to the second screen. All apps. Second screen. Second screen. So when you turn your phone on, here's the important, here's the crescendo, and there's more tips to this, but I'm giving you the basic ones, is that now you are in charge of your phone. Your phone is not in charge of you. Interesting. Interesting. I, I, I'm, I'm a huge, it, I, <laughs> it gives me a little bit of an anxiety. I'm being completely honest here. When my phone goes, zzz, zzz, and you're like, I've got to look at that. I've got to look at that. Something, some, someone's texting me. Something's, something's happened to my phone that I, I have to look at. And this is this, this sort of addiction we have. And, and I don't like it. I, I noticed it in myself. Uh, I think those three tips are grayscale, turn off all notifications, and put all the apps to the second screen. Second screen. What, that's, that's incredible. You, okay. You know, Reed, here, here's the thing. Just to your point, one of the people that I, I quote in the book is a guy named Tristan Harris. He's kind of a Google whistleblower. And he was on the design team for a lot of different apps and was in the tech world for a long time. But basically, he's the guy that's come out and talked about how tech companies are training us to become addicted. And variable resistance is what our phone is. And that's the same technique a slot machine has. A slot machine is the most addictive form of gambling. Because we don't know if we're going to win or lose. It's quick. It's the same thing with the phone. Bing. Oh, my God. There's a text. There's an email. So we don't know. Is it good? Is it bad? And so we're subconsciously being, you know, addicted to that. So you talk about breaking out the phone from our lives, right? That's, that's, that's one piece. And, and yes, it is probably, you know, knowing from yourself, even going back to 2000 when you first started your coaching business, seeing the transition of the iPhone to people now working and texting and emailing and all those sort of gadgets and stuff like that. I'm sure in your experience, you've seen you know, the world turn you know, completely flipped on its head. And, and you said it rightly about kids being anxious, but it's also adults being anxious, right? I just, I just oh, gave an example. To, to, absolutely, absolutely. I just gave an example. I get anxious when my phone goes, oh, what's that? Oh, what's, what's that? What's that? You know, i got to go look at it. And so how do... You've talked about turning the phone off. How do then we, we've got ourselves in a room, nothing's, no distractions. How do you stop the mind from going, what's happening next week? What's, what's, what's going on? What, what am I doing for dinner? What's, uh, am I going to hang out with that person this weekend? How, how do you stop that chatter? Because we all have it, right? So Reed, I know my book isn't out, but you actually just like quoted the first chapter there. So here, here's the thing. It comes down to what I call, you know, implementing some mindfulness practices. And that can be um, practicing some meditation. So I'll just say what meditation is real quickly. Because a lot of people think you start talking about meditation and they think about like some Zen state or I can't do it. That is absolutely not the case. All meditation is doing is the way I teach it is closing your eyes for two or three minutes, putting your focus on your your belly, okay, Mm -hmm. and just notice your belly rising and falling. So let's do it for a second. Yeah, let's do it. So you can close your eyes or whatever you want to do. Just notice your belly rising and falling, okay? That's all you want to do. Just notice it rising and falling. Now, as you get distracted, as thoughts or feelings come up, no problem. Just notice, oh, that's a thought. That's a feeling. And then come back to your breath. So let's just do it for about 10 more seconds. Just notice your belly rising and falling. Just be with that. And you don't have to change anything. Just be with it. Okay, take a deep breath in. And exhale, open your eyes. So what happened in that minute? Nothing. <laughs> huh. Did like, you have any thoughts? 
I did. I did. Mm-hmm. I, and and I, will, I, will, I will preface by saying that I, I'm an avid meditator. So I, I, and, awesome. And, 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 awesome. and so, but, but to everyone listening, I am in, you know, not ADD, but I'm always like, oh, my wife's always giving me, you know, a bit of crap. Oh, you're, you're like a kid in the sandbox. Let's go on the slide. Let's go on the swings. Let's go over here. Let's go. You know, it's constantly right. and trying to harness that. And I've, I've realized in myself as, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you know, leader, I need to have that ability to turn it off. Exactly. So, so you, you have, you're already practicing a great skill. Most people aren't doing that, but just even three minutes a day. See, the biggest thing about meditation, the way I teach it is not to get in a Zen state, not to have some, but the ability to come back after you're distracted. You notice the instruction I gave you when you get distracted, come back. That's the key. Not, Oh, I'm sitting here for 10 minutes with no thought. It's going to happen, right? Right. It's, it's nearly impossible. I've, done, I've been meditating consistently for 10 years. Wow. Um, and I can tell you that I can't remember that ever happening. I mean, sure, there's periods of six, seven minutes. But in my session, there's going to be at least some place where I'm like, whoa, is that a squirrel? What happened? <laughs> right? So the more we can do that and, and build that muscle. And then also, here's the thing. Get passionate and commit to something, not everything. You know, there, there's nothing wrong with having a high horsepower. There's nothing wrong with, you know, wanting to go after a bunch of stuff. But pick something. The time cleanse starts, you know, the whole process starts with pick something that you're committed to. And then when I take people through the time cleanse process, I have them write out all the places they spend time. So the time they spend on technology, people, places, their possessions, their mental thoughts their business interactions and transactions. So I have them in the, in the book, I have them actually write out. I spend two hours on Facebook. And then we ask the famous question, does this contribute or contaminate to my success and happiness? And then we either keep it or get rid of it. The average person that does this process gets 10 hours, of, 10 hours a week back. Most people get 20 or more. And they're shocked every time. It's amazing, we do this five years and that people are in the second category. They just fill out technology and people and they're like, I just got seven hours back. We're not, even, we're not even halfway through because we're being hypnotized. We don't even realize how much time we're on these devices and what we're doing. It's not just devices, but where we're wasting time. Oh, 100%. I, 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 one of my goals for 2019 was to get off email. And I don't know if I've got to bring in an assistant to, 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 to sort of filter that out, but there's, it's just that's such a time suck. And, and I, I've talked a little bit on the show a little bit about, um, and many people, I'm sure you have the same thing, black time, blue time, red time. And your black time is where you're as a business leader, you're, thought, you're the thought leader. You're out there, you're, you're thinking of the next book. You're, you're thinking of the next educational podcast. The blue is sort of in the day-to-day of the business and the red is the administration. And how you split your time up as a solo entrepreneur and then how does that, you know, how does that affect you thinking all the time is really kind of when you stop for 30 seconds, like it's yes, good to compartmentalize your day, but then your day fills up and you think, oh, I've got no, back to that story. I've got no time in the day. I've got to do all this stuff. And so what other techniques besides turning off the phone, changing your phone, meditating, but is there any techniques in terms of, you talk about old school time management. Do you still yeah. teach that in your book? Well, so when I when I just so when I'm talking about time managers versus performance, certainly there's crossovers. It's right. not like every single thing's bad. Of course, we want to prioritize. One of the things I do with all my clients is have them make a list of their ROT activities. ROT, return on time. 
return on time. Okay. Your highest ROT time. So, so make a list. What are the things that I do as a man or a woman in my business that gives me my highest ROT? Okay. Most people know it. Most people don't write it down and mm. most people don't follow it. Okay. Now the second, the second part of that read is this. And did you well, just, just before we go on the ROT, how do you measure ROT for those people out there who are going, I don't know what's, yeah. what, what's our, what's return on Great. time? So, so there's really two things for me. One is, is the felt connection, feeling connected to purpose, talents and gifts that I'm, I'm either doing that one-on-one -on -one or with the world. So I feel a sense of connection and purpose. That's one meter. The other one is old fashioned dollars. When I do X, I get Y. It's that simple. And one of the things that a lot of people don't do, and I think you'll appreciate this, I, I talk about one of the research studies in the, in the book, is about buying time back. This is, this is a phenomenon that not a lot of people are addressing right now. They, some people do it, but really look at your day, at your week, at your month. Where can I buy my time back? And very specifically, it can be simple things. I'm paying somebody to do my laundry. I'm paying somebody to clean my house. Paying. And the research showed that people that buy time back were happier than people that didn't. And, and this is the thing where sometimes as entrepreneurs, and I know I've been in this, we start grinding. We're like, oh, I can do that. I, I'll, I'll go to Staples. I'll get that FedEx thing. I'll write that report. When you take a step back, do this with all my clients, and I say, what are the things you don't want to do? Just write it down. And, and so a lot of people, you know, they have their own guilt or their own belief system. But then I say, okay, where can we buy it? Where can we buy it? And a lot of entrepreneurs go, will, will start with, no, no, but I can do that. I go, yeah, you can, but you're trading your time for low dollar activities. And it, it'll kill us. I mean, ultimately, when we talk about all these concepts, here's the thing that I, I want you to know from a philosophy standpoint about this book. Time is for one thing. It's to create memories that make your life matter. End of story. And those memories become your legacy. So if your legacy is two hours on Facebook, if that's if that a person, mm. you know, when you start, I mean, I challenge people, I go, you know, how much time do you spend on Facebook? And they go, oh, you know, hour a day, say, make it up, hour yeah. a day, oh, yeah. okay. So you wanna be known for spending an hour a day on, and they just go, <laughs> no, but we're, we're, we're not connecting the two. This is reflecting who I am. And ultimately, I want people to be relevant with their time, make a difference, connect with their gifts, but not just for themselves, go out into the world and make a difference. Because the difference between being relevant and seen is like apples and oranges. We're in a world of being seen. Mm. Go on a, you know, the news, social media, reality TV. There's a lot I mean, of noise. Listen. There's a lot of noise. So, so how is, you know, because I talked a lot about it on this show as well, because you, you bring up a really bloody good point. I talk a lot about being a key person of influence. You're an influencer in the time management. I'm calling it time management because I'm, That's getting, fine. I'm getting my lingo there. But as business owners in 2019, we want to be Googleable. We want to be on Facebook and, you know, all these social things to, to help promote our business and get the, that dollar that you talked about, those dollars, the ROT. So how do, you, how do we balance that like as business owners to try and, as you said, not just fluff and be on social media for no apparent reason, but actually having a, a purpose and really being effective in the way you run the business? How do you, how do you juggle that in, in 2019? Yeah, yeah great, great question. And it all comes back to, I mean, you're going to keep hearing me say this. First of all, 
reconnecting with self. See, here, here's my philosophy. We, we intuitively know. I can already tell you and I are very, are very similar from a systems perspective. I'm a very systems person, driven, very driven. I have a very engineering mind on systems. Now, with that being said, here is the caveat to that. Now, we also got to have the freedom to connect to the artistic way our life goes. And, and, and when, we, when we become present with ourselves, we intuitively know, should we be doing this or not? You know, we, we're, we're, one of the things that's happening is we're so connected to the outside influences, and it goes back to the timefulness perspective. We're not stopping to reflect. When I have people go through all the things they're doing in their life and ask if it's contributing or contaminating, there's only about 5% of things in my research now where people have to actually go through a couple processes, pros and cons, pros and cons of not doing it. But about 95% of the answers, just like that, they know. They know this is toxic. Yeah, they know it's toxic. They know they shouldn't be doing it. And something can be toxic simply by doing it at the wrong time of the day or the wrong amount of time. We don't have to get rid of everything but if, you're, if someone's texting in their business meetings, we just go, well, texting's not wrong. Let's do it after the meeting. So a lot of this is reassessing how, when, and where we're using our time, not necessarily just get rid of it. And you know, a lot of this is readjusting and, re and fine-tuning because the timing of what we do is many times just as important. Interesting. So I interrupted you earlier. You said we were talking about the steps. Number one was ROT and, and assessing the return on time. You, yeah. you were going to go into the second step of what, what's the next. What so so you're next? assessing the do's and the don'ts. Okay, that's, that's really the first thing. But after that, you know, we just kind of talked about it a little bit here when we're doing what we're doing. But one of the things that I'm going to throw at you right now, and, and I hadn't thought about it in this perspective in a while, but I like, I like the way you're asking the questions here is to take a step back, and this is going to be a left field for us engineers here, is, is ask yourself, and in the book, I, it's, I have a legacy questionnaire. What's the legacy you want to leave? See, a lot of this business-driven stuff, you know, the, the, the balance sheet and all that stuff is important, right? And you got to do this, and I'm a big proponent of that. But it all starts with, what do we want as a legacy? When I have people fill out their legacy sheet, then I ask the simple question, are you living your life like that? You know, we, we think about legacy many times towards the end of our life. But the reality is our legacy started from our first breath and it continues right now. We're creating a legacy right now. Exactly. So we're, we're, we're forgetting that. So I'm going to turn the tables because I'm the interviewer and I can do that. <laughs> what, yeah. is, what, what is your legacy? You know, My, my legacy is really simple and, and it's connected to this book is that I want to leave this world and, and this may sound oversimplified better than I found it and very clearly get people reconnected to why they're here, their purpose. All this about time, it all comes down to, are you connecting to what your purpose, your talents are? Is that what you're doing? Or are you being programmed by your parents, your society, your culture, your phone. But my legacy for me is that to keep going, to pers persevere. And, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a quote that I like, and, and, it, and it's connected to um, everything here. And it's really this. Everything's going to be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. 
<laughs> I like that. And, and I say that now because we got to keep going. We, we do not know when our number will be called and we're no longer walking on this plane. We do not know that. But a lot of what's going on as business owners, as entrepreneurs, as people, there's this duality that we think time's unlimited. So at one hand, we feel like it's scarce. We don't have enough. But on another hand, we think, oh, we got tomorrow. It's not guaranteed. Yep, yep. And, and I talk a lot about on this show, which is where I've come from. Full-time job, trying to handle a side hustle and get to that point where you get financially free to go out and become an entrepreneur and work for yourself. Become your own boss because you don't want to swap your time for money, right? That's the whole thing we talk about. And and, yep. and this is this new age of, you know, where everyone's a freaking, you know, gingerbread, you know, candlestick maker, all the things, right? To, to, <laughs> to, 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 make, to make ends meet. And really that, that is what we are. So when you're, and, and being a young person and a young hustler, and this is more of myself I'm asking because I, I, I found myself up until about two years ago, I would sit on the couch on a weekend and I'd say to myself, should I be doing something right now? Like, should I be working on something? Because I just got so used to working a nine to five, you know, 60 hours a week on the weekends was the only time I could hustle. And so we get used to this stuff, you know, just being busy, but not actually being effective. And I think that comes down to a little bit of what you're saying, that you can't just always be busy all the time. You've got to look at your life and be systematic about stepping it out and saying, what's my ROT and how can I get rid of those low-hanging fruit that can buy me back time to be more effective in my business or in my journey along you know, to leaving a great legacy? Would that, that sort of sum that up a little bit better? Yeah, that, that's actually a very good summary. And, and here's the thing, you know, I'm not promoting that people max out every hour. That's right. exactly not what I'm not doing. I'm saying, hey, know when you're working, know when you're not. And it brings up one of the things that I talk about as well is you know, working what I call in intervals. Mm -hmm. and, and this is a really important, this is how I wrote my book. I wrote my book in under a year by using this technique. And that is basically you're working and resting in intervals. So I have two intervals that I like, 55 minutes and seven minutes of rest. So you shut everything off and you get hyper-focused hmm. and you go for it for 55 minutes. You unplug for seven minutes. Now, when you unplug for seven minutes, it's not I'm getting on Facebook. It's not I'm going to play Tetris or whatever it is. It's unplugging. It's taking a walk, drinking some water, having a quick meal, meditating. Boom. Now I'm back. Interesting. So you want to be able to do two, three, four of those in a row and then take a break for 30 minutes or an hour. The second option is what I call 25-5. 25 minutes of high intensity work, five minutes of rest. Now, when I wrote the book, I got up to 10 55 sevens in a day. 10.55.7. Okay. Yep. yep, yep. That's 10 hours. Now, it's like training. I did not start there. I started at like two or three and I was wow. like distracted all over. And then I started building and then my deadline was coming and I was like, man, I, you know, I've done 12. Um, but you can't just, I'm just saying that I'm not yeah. bragging. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, took yeah. me like a whole year to do that. I found my sweet spot to be able to get three or four of those in a day is really strong. Now you have to think about this. Three to four, 55-minute complete focus sessions. Now, I'm sure your audience can, uh, can appreciate just that's difficult. Yes, yes. And so I, identifying that, and when I did that, I literally took my phone, shut it off, and put it in my safe. So it wasn't even distracted. At times, I shut off my router. Now, because I don't want any distraction. Now, we don't necessarily need to do this every day, but if you want hyper-focus, now you're going to see three, five, 10x results in those hours. 
And it's shocking the ability that we have to, to go from this distorted, distracted to focus. I was pretty focused to begin with. I had no idea how much, how much more potential. You know, the Navy SEALs say, you know, when you're fully maxed out and you're completely exhausted, you got like 60% left. <laughs> so I share that with you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Anything we haven't covered on in terms of your book? We talked about ROT. We talked about, I love that, 55 minutes with two uh, with, with a seven-minute rest two to three times a day. I think that's really actionable. I'm a structural engineer. That's my background. I'm Got it. I'm a black white brain. I you know developing this podcast is my artistic outreach. You know this sure. I, I didn't know anything about developing a book or a personal brand, but I had to develop that. Um, what other little tricks and you know hacks can you can you give to people? Because I think you give well, them gonna, so I'm gonna much. I'm going to give you one. It just it happens to be right in front of me here. It's an egg timer right here. It's an egg timer. This right here can change your life. So. One of the things that I do, now mind you, I didn't pull up my iPhone. Ah, right. Yes. Now you can use a timer on your phone, but I would, I would recommend your listeners to start timing the heck. I'm going to keep it PG-13. <laughs> timing the heck out of what you they do. You can swear if on this, this is fine. Because <laughs> I'll tell you what, once you start setting timers, okay, so when you do the 55 sevens, 20, use the timer, right? You start training your brain to look at what you're doing with your time. One of the biggest problems for toxins for people in their life, they have no idea how much time they're doing something. One of the unique qualities of the time cleanse, it gets clarity on what you're really doing with your time. I ask people, so how much on technology? I, I do this a lot. And then I go, okay, let's write it down. And then this is how it goes. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, I, oh, oh. And it, what started with two entries is 10. And what started with 30 minutes is four hours. And so part of what's happening, we're in a little bit of a hypnotic trance of not being really connected what we're doing with our time. And so with using the time cleanse, we have the unique ability to be mindful, to stop, to become aware, and then question. As a, as a professional investor, I know one thing that you do, and that is you question everything. 100%. Could you imagine if you went into a deal and you go, it's all good. It's all good. Just where's the, where's the papers? Just, <laughs> just e-doc that over, right? That's what we're doing with our time. Yep. Yep. A lot of the traps we get stuck in are, I've always done it that way. And this is a big trap because, man, if you're running your business the same way you did a year ago, we, we might not be in the right place. Right. And, and, How fast it also goes to the quick nature of where we live, how we live right now. Like things are changing at such pace that we have to have these time management tools to understand, so we can learn about whatever the new technology is to help our business grow to the next level, blah, blah, blah. But I think if you don't have the mastery of time and managing it in an effective, you know, with your egg timer analogy, love that. I think we're, you know, we'll, we'll be sucked out the back and, you know, life Reed, my, Reed, my goal is to eradicate that management out of our conversation. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm, I'm laughing with you. So here's the thing. I'm laughing with you um, because, I mean, obviously I've been doing this a long time. Yep. It's so ingrained in our brain. Yes, it is. I'm, yes. I'm saying that in a, in a, in a, in a fun joking. way because yeah, yeah. I just did this big uh, event with Union Bank and, uh, you know, they got my, my PDF of the book and it's performance, performance, everything. And they sent out, a, a, you know, an email to the whole group. It says uh, time management program. 
and, and it's and it's okay. Like I, there's no problem with that. I want people to start where they're at, whatever they're familiar with, but to really think about how am I performing? That time comes from me by my yeses and nos. But to answer your one the question, one thing that we haven't covered, that is another great tip. Um, it's the most powerful word to save time, to protect your time, and to stay on course. And it's the word no. I have a whole section in the book on the power of no, actually how to say it. A lot of people, believe it or not, don't really know how to say no. I have my clients set up predetermined phrases to, if they're already loaded up. Ask me to go to dinner. Just ask me to go to dinner. You wanna to go to dinner? Reed, I really appreciate you asking me to go to dinner. It's Friday. I've got a preset agreement with myself that I get up at 4.30 in the morning to work out. So I, I'm saying no to that. Now, now, if you notice, I didn't say no to you. I said a yes to me. I said, I've got a predetermined agreement with myself. People go, oh, wow, that's awesome. But if I just say no, and then what do we do? We start making excuses up, right? Uh, you know, I, I don't want to, all that noise is just BS, man. So we want to be able to have how we're going to say no. The other thing, this goes back to the timer. I teach my clients when they're getting clients from their calls to do this. Set the timer, go, listen, Reed, thanks for calling me. I appreciate it, man. I saw you pop up on my phone. When I take your call, I got five minutes right now. If we need to go longer, later I can do it. And here's what's going to happen. People get really good at communicating. <laughs> and, and Straight to the point. And if there's more time needed, you create that. But this go, going back to the timer, this is, I mean, if you do that, you're teaching people how to communicate with you. You're actually helping them. And you're setting the tone of how you run your life. You're setting the tone of how you run your life. And I want to throw one last little nugget in for you and your, your, your audience here. There's many for you. But there's two time types I want to share with you. So one of the things I identified in researching is that there's two types of people in the world when it comes to time. This is kind of fun. And I tell a story in the book about dating somebody the opposite time type. So your time type is how you've been conditioned to operate with time. So really no one's writing about this. So just like we've been conditioned to have a belief about money, about the world in different ways, we've been conditioned from childhood how to operate with time. So there's two distinct types. Number one is a time watchdog. The time watchdog values time, is early. Time is a huge thing about schedules, appointments. They monitor other people's time. They're watching who's late and who's not, right? Okay? So two watchdogs right here. You can probably figure <laughs> that one out already. That wasn't, that wasn't a hard, hard one to figure out. Now the other one, us watchdogs have a hard time with. It's called the time lounger. Now the time lounger um, really enjoys being in the moment. But being into the moment to the extreme, they don't really care about schedules too much. Um, they'll show up late a little bit late or a lot late. And they like the flexibility of life without the constraints of time. Now, I'm going to say this as a watchdog. Both have great value. And the important part of knowing this is not just to know it, but how do you perform in life with similar and different time types?
And part of this is just communicating what your agreements are around time. But all teams, all teams everywhere, I've seen this, have both, right? And if you have somebody on your team and you're a watchdog and they're a lounger and you don't know how to navigate, the performance is going to go down. Same thing intimately. So the story I tell in the book is about dating a time lounger. And then that's one of my big ahas, like, okay, how do we come together? And I learned, you know, what was a deal breaker? What wasn't? We created some agreement around time and we had, you know, a great run. That's awesome. That's awesome. Because I'm married to a time lounger, I think. I hope she's not listening to this one, but <laughs> but I'm definitely a watchdog, you know, up at 4.30, 5 o'clock, same as you, get them a workout done in the morning. My most effective hours of the day are seven till, call it midday. After right. lunch, I get a bit of a second win at the end of part of the day, but, you know, it's really that, that chunk in the morning. And, and I think I'm going to definitely be taking some of these 55-minute sessions in seven-minute intervals. I think it's really incredible. It sounded, and I'm just going to guess, you have a couple of, you know, I want to still call it scripts in your book, hopefully they do, to, yep. to talk about, because you, you just responded to me about asking you to go to dinner. Boom, you had it straight there. You had a great response. I, I would imagine that is a trained technique as well right absolutely and that's what i this is what i want people to have because just that trying to figure out how am i going to get out of this conversation how am i going to end it if you total that up in a year that's a shit ton i did say shit that's shit right, ton square, square. time wasted so i have how to how to how to limit how to get out and how to how to say no so we're just ready we're just ready in that, that we're doing it, and this is the other part, in an elegant way, because here's the thing. Our no to them is a yes to us. And we got to get past some of this conditioning. And people love, you know, my nickname is the Velvet Hammer. And it was given to me as a coach, not as a boxer, because I am compassionate. I am concerned about people, but I'm also going to give it to you straight so you can shift it. You know, we're in a world where a lot of people aren't telling the truth and want to make it all okay. You know, oh, we got to get we we, we got to get in the reality. reality of what's going on. Otherwise, we're going to die with our dreams inside of us. Hundred percent. One of the biggest fears I have, and I talk a lot about this, is waking up when I when I'm sixty and going and thinking to myself, "Gosh, I wish I had a go at that. I wish I had a crack at that." Because regret is going to kill you, you know, and I, I, the regret fears me the most. But, mate, speaking of time, I've been talking to you for a long period of time, and I don't want awesome. to, I don't want to drag this out. I know you're you're a man who has a lot of things on your plate, but I do like to end the show with asking my guests to give me their top five investing tips, and I'm going to walk you through. You ready to get into it? Yep. Mate, what is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Um, number one is set the goals and then put the intention behind it. I write in the book, setting an intention has at least the minimum, a 20% increase in hitting your goals. So intentions are current in time, goals are future in time. Setting the, setting the goals intention. Awesome. Yeah. Who is the most influential person in your career today? Uh, my boxing coach, Tom Delaney. Tom Delaney. Tom, I, talk, I tell the story in the book. It's a beautiful story. At 18 years old, Tom took me under his wing, saw my potential, also saw how much low self-esteem I had about myself. And he nurtured me so, in so many ways. He was in my corner, inside of the ring, and out, win or lose. And yeah, 
That's awesome. He was he was the man. That's awesome. And, and probably at a very vulnerable time in your life, being 18, oh, right? Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome stuff. What is the most influential tool? Now, I talk, when I say tool, it could be software or hardware related in your business today that helps you function. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip it on you here just for a second. Because yep. it is a tool. It is a technology. It's being present, man. Being present. I, just, I, I, I'm thinking about everything that you said and all the tools and all that. Um, if I had to give you something outside of that, I would say a timer. <laughs> timer, is, timer is the biggest tool. Yep, love it. Um, what is in, in, in a sentence or a word, what's been the biggest failure in your career to date that you've learned from? Um, I'll use athletics because I'll take the athletic side. I hung on to something too long. I let time pass me by. Hung on to something too long. Interesting. Okay. And, and that's, that's a big one. I tell this once again, I tell the story because time had passed me by. Mm hmm. I had not upgraded my thinking to where I was. It cost me tremendously. Interesting. Well, mate, I want to thank you for being on the show. My final question for you today is where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to get their hands on the book. You've literally given us so many gold nuggets. I've got goosebumps thinking about all the awesome, awesome. things. Where can they go? Uh, a couple of things. So I've got a, a, a nice download for your folks. Um, it's my 10 top tips on performance tools and tactics to get your time back. You can get that at stephengriffith.com forward slash read. Is it Goosens or Gossens? Goosens. It's G-O-S-G-O-O-S-S-E-N-S. Goosens. So it's forward slash that. And then people that order the book, same website address forward slash you, they get a free masterclass. So I'm giving an eight video free masterclass. You pick up the book. It's probably the best 15 bucks you'll ever spend. Um, but that's a, a gift to your your listeners, and uh, yeah, awesome. Man. I'm glad to have been on your show, man. I love awesome. your style and, and your commitment to helping people get to the next level. Well, thank you, and and you know, I know I'm for, for sure definitely getting my hands on a copy of that book because it sounds like there's some some things that I need to do in my you know just self reflection on you know doing these 55 minutes with a seven minute time like seven minute break, getting the egg timer. I'm really I'm hugely committed to that, and I think it goes back to what you said at the beginning of the show if you're not committed to something in wanting to change because you've identified something in yourself, you know, time will pass you by, as you said. So, um, but, 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 yeah, but, but thank you so much for being on the show today. Probably the three top things that I took away from today's show was the ROT sitting down and actually looking at a return on time. What are you wasting your time on? Right. Um, the second biggest thing is that you need, we need to learn how to buy back time, you know, little things, low hanging fruit. And, and And the last thing is about being present. I think, we all have to work on that. It's a skill. It's a muscle, as you said. The brain's yeah. a muscle. Um, yeah. We always have that chatter. I do. You do. It's about yeah. how do we control that chatter and be quiet. Um, did, did, did I leave anything out? Um, the only thing I would add in there is that you are time. You always have been, time, and it's everything right. you will get, do, or be. Protect it, own it, and do not be a victim of it. Mate. I've literally written four pages of notes today in this, in, this, in this interview. I want to thank you so much for dropping by. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up soon. All right. Thanks, buddy.
Well, there you have it, another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice. Please get over to Stephen's website, get your hands on his book today because it is gonna be jam-packed with some incredible advice and top tips to help you not manage your time, but be more present with your time. Uh, Now make sure you check out all the show notes from today's show is up on my website at readgoosens.com. And I wanna thank you for taking some time out of your day to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. And we're gonna do this all again next week. So remember, be bold, be brave, go give life a crack.